Hello again, my beautiful friends. It's me, your girl, Melinda Rackley, the Inspiration Engineer, and I am ready to share part two of Boundaries in the Workplace with you. We ended the discussion last week talking about problems in the workplace and working too much. Um, And today we're going to pick it back up talking about misplaced priorities, expecting too much of work, and then finally we're going to talk about finding your life's work so you can work the right way. I hope that this Boundaries Bootcamp is helping you as much as it is helping me and these two special guests, Mr. Derek William Gibson, he's back with us again, and Miss Christine Wilson, they are definitely going to help us get on the right path so we can indeed work the right way. Here it is, guys. You kept talking about um, priorities, mm-hmm. and um, that that's a big thing in, in education because everything is a priority. Mm-hmm. And finally, I, you know, in a respectful way, told my boss, and she goes, I'm going to adopt that. I said, you can have it. I said, if everything's a priority, nothing's a priority. Mm-hmm. Everything can't be number one. Yeah, it's right. It, it, it just can't. And I think I think that's a boundary, again, a boundary in the workplace. What are the true priorities here? Mm-hmm. What's, what's the true, what, no, no, no. What's the real number one? What's the real number one? And I think Christine said it. Now, it may change from day to day, but every day, 10 things can't be number one. It, it just doesn't work. So I, I'm glad that you kept you kept talking about those priority. And then, um, Christine, I think you said the things your pay doesn't pay for the things that you that you want. Um, and I thought about that because that's what you asked the question earlier, Melinda. Where why do we work so much overtime, or why do people work so much overtime? They are they're trying to get paid, but in the end, I don't think they realize what the true pay is. Because you're right, you I got a financial gain, if you will, but my internal pay mm-hmm. of 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 the joy of doing this job. You're like, and 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 you you can listen to anybody who's working overtime. They're complaining, they're begrudging the situation because you're looking at the money. Oh, I love this, but not thinking about the pay. How am I paying myself internally? How am I rewarding myself for doing this? And it doesn't turn into a grudge or something of that nature. Mm. Or not thinking about the cost because it's costing you something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thinking about the call. What does this cost me? What mm-hmm. does, listen, y'all, I got a whole yep. page of questions over here. I got to ask myself in the mornings now. <laughs> but that was the perfect segue to this next uh, boundary problem in work. Misplaced priorities. You know, that's all. That's what we've really been talking about. And this quote on page 201, this quote got me right together. Uh, effective workers do two things. They strive to do excellent work and they spend their time on the most important things. And that's on page 201 in the book, Boundaries. And that brings you to the first question. And Derek, you just said it. What's important right now? Like, what is important right now? You know, and this, this, this quote is a continuation. It says, many people do excellent work, 
but allow themselves to get sidetracked by unimportant things. They may do unimportant things very well. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> That's me, y'all. That's me. I get so sidetracked in the day when I tell you I can, I can do a self-care day, honey, all day, every day, 10 times on Monday. Okay, listen. And then I can also distract myself. I can make unimportant posts on social media. I can create unimportant things in books. It's just like, what? I, this is so not important right now to what I'm supposed to be doing. What is important right now? Like, that's the first thing. And then the second thing is, Say no to the unimportant. Ooh. And I was so guilty of this. Sometimes the unimportant can be, you know, going to lunch with all of your coworkers when you know that that's going to take your 30 minute lunch break all the way to 45 minutes and then maybe even an hour. And then you're 30 minutes behind. And then everybody in the world is going to have to pay because you're behind, <laughs> you know, while you may want to go to that lunch with them, it is unimportant at the moment. Plan for that. Okay. Realize your limits. And on page 202, it says, having limits will force you to prioritize. And that's so true. That is so true. Like yesterday, I had to realize my limits and realize, all right, girl, you don't got all day to send these 100 messages because you got four other meetings and you know your baby is going to want to watch TV like y'all do on Fridays and cook dinner and eat pizza. So you better hurry this thing on up. And it forced me to move very quickly. I think I got those tasks done in like five hours yesterday, you know, because I, I knew what my limits was. I knew that I needed to prioritize. And the last thing I loved in this chapter was say yes to the best. And on page 202, it says, if you think your time is limitless, you may say yes to everything. Say yes to the best. And sometimes you may need to say no to the good. And the good may be going to lunch. Again, I love that example. Because who don't like to go to lunch with their coworkers and kiki and laugh it up? But you got stuff to do, okay? If you want to produce excellent work, you got to be an excellent person with priorities. And that's all I got to offer from this because, you know, I'm trying to learn it myself. Go ahead. <laughs> I, I need you to come to a school system and just do this whole seminar. But um, <laughs> because number two, saying saying no to the unimportant, that, that's a big thing, especially on planning days for us. You know, uh, teachers should be planning and they're all congregated in one room. And then when this 12 o'clock deadline comes for grades, everybody's running around trying to get it done. But the unimportant was us all sitting here together doing this or um, during those planning periods, if you will. And I think of, you know, that's what I think about when I think about my work and the boundaries there, you know, just the, the unimportant stuff. Yeah, would I like to sit in my neighbor's office and have my coffee in the morning? I could, it would be nice, but that's the unimportant of work and I could really use this time for something else, which made me think of three, realizing your limits. And this was one of the notes that I highlighted. Um, it says, you also need to set limits and boundaries on yourself. You need to realize how much time and energy you have and manage your work accordingly. Mm. Know what you can do and when you can do it and say no to everything else. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's a big limit because 
who doesn't want to seem like the employee that can do it all? You know, everybody, everybody, everybody wants, go to Christine, she can do it. <laughs> go to Derek, you know, everybody, you know, it kind of makes us feel good, you know, but at some point we have to know our limits and say, thank you for considering me, but unfortunately I cannot do that. Yeah. So that, that, the can do's versus the should do's, just because we can do something does not mean that we should do it. Mm -hmm. And just going back to, you know, when you prioritize receiving money, I think you, the examples that you use, Melinda, was going out to lunch. So that's not important, blah, blah, blah. but sometimes when your priority isn't just raking in money, but your priority is building that future or, or creating those or completing those tasks and projects that would lead somewhere that's really not paying off right now. Those are things that you could prioritize over an immediate paycheck or, or an, an immediate, you know, receiving something, receiving some financial gain in the moment. So for instance, I was given the task of working on this film project for this streaming company that wasn't paying too much, but it was paying something. And it was just in a, in a step in the right direction. And then I had to weigh that against opportunities to work with new clients. Well, if one opportunity was heading in a direction that I preferred, I prioritized that over receiving a couple hundred dollars or a thousand dollars working on this other project. So when you're dealing with priorities, you have to say, well, what's, which one is going to yield a better, a, a, the result that I desire, even if it's not immediate? So you have to think about what your immediate gains are versus your long-term goals. And that's how we it helps us to balance out these priorities because then receive, having that new client is no longer, um, what is it? It's no longer important because we're identifying unimportant things. Well, it is. it has some importance when it's not weighed against this thing over here because now I've prioritized is no longer as important as this thing. So if they can, you know, work with me, maybe we can shift some things around or I can work with them later, but we have to know that, well, what is, what best speaks to our long-term goals? And if that thing does not, then that thing is at this moment unimportant. Mm, that's, that's a drop the mic question right there. What best speaks to my long-term goals? And yeah. that's you have to sit down and, and know what they are, you know, yeah. a plan for your life. Because if you don't know what you want in your life, then the universe, the world, whatever you believe is going to give you whatever they think yeah. you should have. You know, it's like with your money. If you don't tell your money where to go, it's going to go somewhere, <laughs> <laughs> you know? And that's so true. A lot of people, and I'm so guilty. I'm just going to say me for the longest, I did not sit down and create a plan for my life and it was so easy to misplace my priorities because there was no plan I'm just living it up you know thinking I'm gonna be 21 forever and now here I am at 32 and I'm like oh god I gotta get myself together I'm gonna be old after a while you know <laughs> and so that was such a good 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 thought and it goes back to the first thought we started with Derek right um what do you want what do you need you know, that was the first question we started with Christine today was, you know, when you think about your work and your boundaries, what do you need? You know, and it goes to with what you were saying, Christine, about, um, you know, that personal fulfillment and that passion and spirituality. You know, I've started to ask myself, OK, God, what do you want me to do? You know, because Melinda's vision for Melinda is so limited. 
Melinda's thoughts and plans for Melinda are so limited, but this great God of the universe has more plans of good for me than grains of sand. So let me go to him because my little plan will have me, you know, up here in a little, little business storefront or whatever, but his plans will have me on a big screen or, or across the world sharing, you know, and it's like my, my biggest priority right now is to release what I want so that I can hold my hands out and be able to receive what God has for me oh, in every good. phase of life. Cause it's so different than what it's so different than what I think, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. oftentimes I even, even with the podcast and the boot camps, it, it, I, I had to release my desires for it and invite God into it and say, God, well, how do you, how would you have me to do this? Um, because I had done the forgiveness boot camp and it was masterful. It was dynamic. We had 50 women to join it. I'm still receiving emails and I'm still getting people to comment on the videos on YouTube. And, and it was beautiful. And I tried to approach boundaries the same way I approached forgiveness. And God was like, er, stop. You misplacing your priorities here. You're trying to do what you want to do. And I got another plan for you. And that was my, my saying yes to the best. When I said yes to God, I said yes to the best, even mm -hmm. when it didn't look like <laughs> what I wanted it to look like. You know, that's my little soapbox, y'all. I'm going to step on off right now. <laughs> <laughs> so this one, oh my gosh. And I know we are getting ready to um, wrap up, but this, this one is such a good one. Expecting too much at work. Expecting too much of work. And I absolutely adored this, um, this quote here. And it said, make sure you're meeting, make sure you are meeting your needs for support and emotional repair outside of work. Get your relationship needs met outside of work as well. Then when you go to work, keep your boundaries firm. Protect your hurt places when you are in the workplace, which is not set up to heal and may also wound unintentionally. And that's on page 206. <laughs> and in my younger days, I'm talking like I'm like 50 or 60, right? In my 20s, when I started my social work career, I was so jacked up. Like I had unresolved issues from childhood and all this. And without realizing it, I was leaning on my work for support when, no, work is not the place for you to get your emotional support or repair. Work mm -hmm. is work. You are there to do a job that has a very specific description yeah. and other duties as a sign does not include emotional support. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, releasing the unrealistic expectations of work required that I do some deep diving and asking myself, why am I looking to a job to fill the spaces that God and a counselor can better help me fulfill? <laughs> so go ahead, y'all. Go ahead. Are you going to take that, Derek? I'll let you go first. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's hard for me to speak on because... Now that I see, you know, this this particular um, quote from page 206, I see where that was going, expecting too much of work in that whole healing aspect. And because I don't, I have not been one to rely on my job to complete me in that person, you know, in any, per, any personal aspect of my life. 
Um, I really can't speak to that so much, but I can understand how people are looking for that personal fulfillment in the workplace. I can understand it. Um, but for me, when I'm processing fulfillment, it's more so about my actions and what I'm doing as opposed to what, what those, how it's, I guess, pouring back into me. Um, yeah, it's more so because I, I don't know, I'm really introspective when it comes to how I'm spending my energy as opposed to what's you know, giving back to me. And I think that's where a lot of people get caught up when it comes to expecting too much of work. And I just haven't really, as, as it's defined here, I haven't really been there. Mm-hmm. And I think I, we all had our, you know, different experiences. So I thank you for, for, for saying that because for some people it's just not, you know, <laughs> they have good, healthy expectations of work. Go ahead, Derek. You know, well, and when I read this, I think about, you know, and I, and I kind of see it and I, I understand how people fall in this because, you know, when we think about the amount of time we spend at work mm-hmm. for some of us, some, some of us spend more time at work during the day than we do with our own families. And I think that's how those hurt places in our life infiltrate our workspace, because, you know, um, you know, I, I hear people say now, this is my family. Nope, this is my, uh, you said it in the beginning, Melinda, this is my coworker. I have sisters at home. My parents are at home. These are my coworkers. But when we went, because, and, you know, and I, I, and I get it because we're there, we're together, but I think that's a dangerous boundary to cross as well. Because when, when we move from um, coworkers to family, we get a little more comfortable, we get a little more lax, and then we become a little more vulnerable. So now those hurt places or my hurting places are now open to everyone because if I just view you as my coworker, I'm not going to tell you the kids acting up at home and, and all of these things going on. But now when I see you beyond my coworker and as my sister or my brother, now I'm starting to share my hurt places with you, which in turn open it up to everybody else that, that you now come in contact with. So I think that's how we protect those hurt places, real, really realizing that work is work. Work, you are my, you are my colleagues. Mm-hmm. You are my colleagues, and I choose, I choose. Um, there, there's, there's a term, and I thought the book would go into it because there's a term I hear in the workplace quite frequently um, that I don't like to hear, um, especially between men and women, and it's this is my work wife, this is my work husband. Mm. I don't like that. Don't (laughs) define yourself as my work wife. God gave me one. You will not cross that boundary because when they cross that boundary and become my work wife, if you will, they become a little more comfortable with me in ways that I don't want you to be comfortable with me as my colleague. Oh, I like that. And it's, it's a, it's a, um, the last three years of my life, I've been attending this, this training each year and it's called momentum training. And the one thing that I have taken away and I implemented my life, trust plus respect equals magic, trust plus respect equals magic. And it's like, 
I've learned to be able to trust my coworkers to do their job and I respect them to do their job. And that's how we have our magic. I'm yes. not going to tell you about my life. Mm-hmm. It's people that I have been in, you know, close contact with at work and they have no idea that I have a child besides seeing the picture. They're like, oh, is that your daughter? And I'm like, yeah. So about this project we're working on, you know, it's like, I don't, I think that you're a brilliant soul, but I really don't care to know you deeper than what we're doing right now, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know? Mm -hmm. And, but the way that I learned that was crossing the line, you know, expecting too much going to work when when I was hurting and I should have just took the day off and it's like those those moments that you slip up that's the moment that's when you feel like oh I'm in pain whether it's emotional or physical stay your behind home that day because that's gonna be the day that you cross the line and then the door is open and once that door is open it's hard to close it because people Mm -hmm. don't know how to respect the door if they've never had one you know, or once they're let in the door, they think that they're they're good there, especially at work. They'll be like, girl, you all right today? How you feeling? I'm like, I'm fine. Let me do my job. Let me do my job. Going on, not going on. You know, because they're carrying yesterday into today and I'm done. I've, I've dealt with yesterday, but now they're like, oh, we're friends. No, no, we're still coworkers. Trust plus respect equals magic. <laughs> <laughs> I've always, I think I've not always, I developed that wall, that barrier, I would say that barrier when I was younger. So I never really, you know, I basically show people what they want to see or what they need to see or what's obvious to them. Like if you now see a ring on my finger, well, it means I'm engaged. If you now see that my belly is bulging, that means I'm pregnant. Like, I, you know, I'm not going to wake up. Oh, I took a test yesterday and I don't know. I'm nervous. Like I've never been that open to my colleagues because you know, I've had my own issues that I've, you know, to trust people. So that's why expecting too much of work hasn't really been a thing for me um, in this regard as defined, you know, on this page. But um, yeah, so when you, when I created that, that um, boundary, you know, with not really confiding in just my colleagues, and I don't think I've ever had, you know, really close friends in my work environments as an educator, I really didn't Um, So I really didn't run into that or needing them to fill that personal part, that personal space. So um, I basically showed them what they needed to see for us to get our jobs done. And whatever else was obvious, you know, we'll talk about it in real time. Or if I was stressed out, it has something to do with something that we were currently looking at and nothing at all with, you know, what's going on in my house. Um, So if it's like, well, we have these grades or this testing is coming up or um, gosh, if I'm hosting challenge day event and things are going haywire I'm at my principal's door like please help me this is crazy but it's all in real time all you know all relevant to whatever we're doing and nothing personal Mm, I like that and it sounds like people what I'm getting what I'm gathering is oftentimes people who have a hard time uh separating you know work from home they're usually the ones who have these misplaced priorities, you know, like me. Because <laughs> you said something so good earlier when you was like, I decided, you know, during my first three years, I'm not taking no work home, you know? And it makes sense. It's like you have been able to create a, a wall and say, look, this is it. And I'm not going to cross this boundary. But like for someone like me, it was a little harder because, I don't know. I think somewhere in my little my little rabbit mind, sometimes I think that 
oh, I could just do it all. I don't need a break. I'll be okay. Well, no, you're not designed Mm -mm. to be that way. That is just not how we are designed, you know? So I love the, the transparency and the light that you're bringing because it's really helping me. Like I was not able to create boundaries because all of my priorities were just meshed into one, you know, and nothing had a specific place. I was just trying to walk around holding 10 things in my hand at once, you know, <laughs> that's, that's not good. And that brings us to the final thing that we are going to discuss. And Christine, uh-huh. you have been masterful about uh, sharing this um, during the conversation today. And that's working the right way, finding your life's work. And I'll share this quote from page 208. And it says, finding the kind of work that fits your strengths and passions involves taking risks. First, you need to firmly establish your identity, separating yourself from those you are attached to and following your desires. You must take ownership of how you feel and how you think you want and what you want. You must assess your talents and limitations. And then you must begin to step out as the big God leads you. (laughs) (laughs) Y'all, I was typing in a rush when I was trying to finish this. That's right. The big G, okay? The big G. The one and only. Um, You know. BG. Right, BG, okay? (laughs) As God leads you. And I love this scripture. Um, It is Psalms 37. Um, four through five, and I didn't mean to change my slide, but it's Psalms 37, four through five. And if someone can see the whole thing, because I cannot, because your faces are at the bottom. Can somebody read that out for me, please? It says, take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him and he will do this. Mm, Listen, that's a drop the mic scripture right there, right? Mm. (laughs) Take delight in the Lord give you the desires of your heart I know this is God I know that he will do that because again I prayed I prayed and I'm I knew I talked about it a lot in the forgiveness boot camp but you know I had never experienced an abusive relationship in my entire life until I turned 29 and from 29 to 31 I was in this relationship that was um you know, mentally abusive. And then it got physically abusive at the very end. And listen, I'm, I'm giving a side eye. Cause I'm like, Derek, don't you tell my brothers. Cause they don't go find a man. Look, <laughs> um, but you know, at the very end, it got physically abusive. And then I had to change my life. I went through forgiveness boot camp with 50 women and I was fully exposed and sharing because I felt like God was leading me to do this boot camp, but I was also in the process of healing. And then God brought me here to boundaries boot camp. And all the while, He was trying to show me what my life's work is, you know, what I'm truly supposed to be doing. Because there's been so many little opportunities that have come through releasing myself from that abusive relationship, saying no, choosing myself, walking away, and then doing the hard work of creating boundaries. I wasn't taught boundaries um, in life. I was the last child of five. My parents were tired. They was done. They was wore down. They was like, girl, you good. And I knew how to pretend. Honey, I made all A's. I went to college. 
on the surface, I was together. My parents probably thought they did a great job, and they did because I'm quite awesome. <laughs> but um, I was not delighting in the Lord. I was delighting in Melinda, you know, what I wanted. And that led me to working jobs that I didn't like you know, my parents work. They were not, they're not entrepreneurs. So their, their thing was, girl, you better go to that job. You better go to, go do that job. That's the money right there. You know, but God had a different plan for me. And that involved looking at what my strengths and my passions were like back to what you said, Christine, that fulfillment, that passion and the paycheck will come. And when I started to do that, that's when I was able to get the contracts that I have now with far surpass any job that I have ever worked sitting at home, filling out a hundred tasks a day and helping people lose weight and do the mental work. I never thought that it would pay as much as it does and, and help me to do so much more things in my life. So finding your life's work, in my opinion, can be difficult because it comes with a challenge. It comes with something that's going to lead you to the place of having to be at your rock bottom. You know, the day I decided to walk away from this man, we were out of town, five hours away, five hours away from home. And we drove in his car and they, we, he, we had the physical altercation that Saturday night, but we still had a whole nother day there at that conference. And I went to sleep right next to him. I went to sleep. I woke up and I went to that bathroom in that hotel and I looked at myself in the mirror and I said, you got to choose yourself because this man is never going to choose you. This is not going to change. This is not going to get better. You have to choose yourself. That was a personal boundary I created. Then I got in the car. I, I don't like driving y'all, but when it was time to go home, I said, oh no, you can rest. I'll drive. It's fine. And I said, Lord, whatever you do, just please let it be peaceful. That man went to sleep. That was the only trip we ever took where he went to sleep the entire time because he would normally be driving. He went to sleep. I got home. And that was the last time I saw him. I never went back. I didn't call. I didn't text. I left. And I never went back. And since that day, when I took delight in the Lord and said, okay, God, I'm going to have to, I give you my life. I'm at the rock bottom. I'm committing all my ways to you. Help me, show me. It was hard. I went through a few weeks of deep depression, like, oh God, I can't make it. I'm going to die, you know? But then I started to see how God wanted to use that. He wants to use all of our experiences to help us to, to really find our life's pursuit, our life's passions, our life's purpose. And the book says life's work, but I like the word purpose better than work. <laughs> you know, to find your life's purpose, you have to take the risk of walking away from the things and people you think you need and taking delight in the big G. That's my soapbox. I'm getting off of it. And I'm leaving the floor over to you guys for your thoughts on it. Just really quickly, choosing yourself can be applied across the board. So in that situation, you chose yourself to get out of that relationship, even in the workplace. And we're so imprisoned by we need a paycheck that we don't believe that we could choose ourselves and trust God that he's going to make sure that every gap is filled. Right. Mm -hmm. 
So we don't trust God enough to, to give us the provision. Because when back in the day when I was younger and the older folks used to say, well, you know, well, the, the God is your source, not your job. And I'm like, well, why am I working in? But now I understand it. Now I fully understand it because I have to walk in it. Even when you sow seeds in one place, your expectation is that you're going to have a return from that place. And that's not how God works. You release it. You say, yeah, I'm going to sow, sow a seed here. I'm going to help here. I'm going to give there. And it comes from somewhere totally different. But you have to be open and willing to trust God that it's going to come. Right. So it's that. And then also when we, you were talking about uh, the, the quote here that uh, your talents and your limitations identify, establish your identity. Um, the thing about knowing who you are in, in, and progressing in life, the hardest part is letting go of the old you. We are constantly evolving. What worked for you one year won't work for you next year. And you have to be okay with that. You have to let that go. The reason that a lot of educators are burned out is because it's no longer for them. It no longer serves them. So they're forcing it to, and they're burned out. They, they have no passion. They have no more drive, commitment, love, heart, none of that for it. And it's not a reflection of who they are. It's just that at some point they reached their prime and then it was done. God was transitioning them and they were like, no, but this is where my money's coming from. When you don't trust God, you will burn yourself out. So that's why I transitioned because I realized that God was moving me. But what happened is I ended up in a place of depression where I'm literally, and this is me being transparent, I'm literally creating suicide videos for my children with my children in my bed. I knew at that point that was my rock bottom. And that's when I chose myself and said, this is no longer for me. And that's when you allow God, you say, God, I don't know where it's going to come from, but I trust you. What God, what, what happened after that to confirm that I was doing the right thing was I was offered another job in another district getting almost double what I was getting in the other district. And, and I just was that unease that in some, I think you said it earlier, Melinda, something, you know, when God is telling you, nah, that's not it. You, I felt that, no, that's not it. And so I'm looking at my husband like, baby, this is a lot of money, but God is telling me no. And he was like, whatever God is telling you, go with it. I walked away. They hired me and I was like, okay, yeah, let me tell you, it's not for me because I was in here for, I think I was there for three days and it was before we were all in like a summer session planning type thing. And I was like, you know, God, I'm sorry. I have to turn, I have to walk away. And it was the best thing that I've ever done in my life. But that is where trusting God comes from. That's your ability to hear God and knowing that if I keep going, I'm not going to have the success or whatever it is that I think will be the outcome. It's gonna work in opposition to what I desire to do. So yes, you know, put yourself first, make yourself a priority. You know, know what it is that you desire to do and what it is that serves you, your purpose in the earth and what fulfills you. And if it does not, then you have to trust God and say, God, what what can I do at this point? And trust that he's going to provide because it's not always about a paycheck. You'll get to the end of your life paying all your bills, but you'll die totally unfulfilled. Mm -hmm. So you have to prioritize. Well, what's important to me right now? And it's OK to change your mind. That's the biggest thing. Whoever you were last year, it's OK to not be that same person this year. Yeah. Oh, I love that. That's so true. It's, it's okay to change your mind. It's your prerogative. It is a hundred percent. It's your prerogative. Yeah. 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 Yes. Derek, any final thoughts for us as we are wrapping up? I, 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 I'm so full. I am so full, but I think you, you both said it when um, you were talking, I had wrote down deprogram. 
Mm. And then Christine came right behind and said, it's okay to change. And I think when we deprogram everything that has been put in us or that we've heard from everybody else and, and, and do this last thing, I think this is where we win, begin to step out as God leads us. That's when we win. That's when we're in those places where he wants us to be. You know, that's when we really get that fulfillment, you know, that they're not happy and it's I'm here for a paycheck. But if they deprogram themselves or reprogram themselves, first get rid of everything that you've been told you got to be a teacher and you've been told you have to do this. You got to deprogram all of that. And then reprogram yourself. I like that. It says um, assess and identify who you are. Mm. Because so often we go by what people have told us we should be and what we should be doing. Oh, you good with kids. You should work with kids. Did you know I don't like kids? <laughs> Did you, you know, you know, that that type, that type thing. We have to really deprogram everything that's there, then reprogram ourselves. And then I think once we step out as as God leads us we find the right work for our life. But like you were saying, though, I like that because, um, gosh, what you just mentioned, um, the deprogramming and reprogramming. Also, when it comes to being an educator, we also pride ourselves on being, because it takes a lot of compassion and heart to serve that, you know, that demographic of people, especially in underserved, you know, communities and stuff. So we're like, oh, well, we're these great people who really rise up to the, and we feel like if we step out of that, we're no longer the compassionate, giving, loving, kind people that we've made ourselves out to be all these years. Well, you can take that character or those character traits and apply it to something else that still serves that demographic without being in the classroom. We have to know like, this is who I am. I'm compassionate, I'm giving, I'm kind. I'm an educator at the root of, at the core of me. That's who I am. So when I'm writing a novel or when I'm writing a screenplay, it serves the same community. I'm just not in the classroom anymore. So I can write a book and I'm like, I want these students to read it because it's going to help them. I can write a book and I say, you know, I want the community to understand how we're serving and how we're failing some of our students or our children. I can do that and not have to be in the classroom because it can translate. Everything that I am translates into any any room, any capacity that I walk into. I'm not limited by platforms because I serve a great God who owns them all. Right. So it's not like, oh, well, you know, I, I, I can only do this and you can only put me in this box. And when we step outside of that box, we realize how phenomenal God is and how great this world is and how many opportunities we actually have. But we don't have to limit ourselves. That's so true. That's still true. We put our own limits on ourselves. <laughs> so I thank you all for joining in this dynamic conversational boundaries in the workplace in the workplace um it has been very helpful for me an eye-opening you know i think every session i'm feeling more and more like i am a freshman in college you know and learning and growing and it's so great um because it's like the, the saying is true when you are ready the teachers will come you know and if i would have had these boot camps six, seven months ago, I probably would have thought I knew what I was doing. But now that I know that I know I don't know what I'm doing, please teach me, tell me more, you know. Um, And there we have it. Boundaries Bootcamp, Boundaries in the Workplace. 
And I challenge you to think about your current work-life balance. What boundary do you need to implement to reduce stress and increase your happiness? What priorities do you need to realign yourself with? What do you need to deprogram and reprogram in your life so that you can carry out your life's work? We spend a lot of time working, but are we making progress? Are we living? Are we enjoying? Or are we just existing? It is my goal, my hope, my dream, my wish, and my prayer for you that this boot camp has helped you to create and maintain healthy boundaries in your workspace. May you find and enjoy your life's purpose through the work that you do today and forever. I'll see you again soon, my friend, here on the Rise and Grow podcast with me, your girl, the inspiration engineer. Bye, y'all. The Rise and Grow podcast is sponsored by Rackhouse Publishing and the Rise Life Group. For information on Rackhouse Publishing or the Rise Life Group, visit www.rackhousepublishing.com. That's www.rackhousepublishing.com.